Welcome to the Three and a Half Walls Podcast. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Jackson Morrill. And I'm Josh Key. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about episodes four through six of The Mandalorian. The yep. original trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! God damn. <laughs> to be fair, this is kind of a trilogy of side quests. No, so... I didn't. I, I swear that I did not have that joke in mind last time when I was like, "Hey, we should just we should just cover episodes four through six next time." <laughs> we should group them off into three. That means we have to wait to review the last two episodes of the season until episode one of season two comes out. Holy shit! That gave me one of those laughs where I got lightheaded. <laughs> that got me like a truck t-boning my little Prius. <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, we start off, uh, the, the main, you know, uh, fucking, the inciting incident has sort of, uh, you know, swallowed itself whole. The Mandalorian has found Baby Yoda and escaped from that bounty hunter life, and now he's stuck in SideQuest Universe. Yeah, SideQuest Universe is also apparently a lot of guest appearances by notable actors. Yeah, in episode four, uh, starting out, he, they go to Jungle Planet. Yes. The jungle level. Yeah, I would say it's more of a forest planet, but there's elements of jungle planet in there. And uh, they they run, they go there, and the episode starts off with this tribe uh, getting some of its uh, Star Wars patented blue food. Did you guys know color theory? Uh, the, the thing, the colors that make people hungriest are yellow and red, right? That's yeah. why McDonald's, all the ads, yellow and red. The yeah, thing that, that makes you the it. least hungry is blue. So everyone in the Star Wars universe is a fucking psychopath if you were to put them <laughs> on earth here they'd just be we're like where's all the blue shit i need blue shit to drink eating just <laughs> nothing but fucking blueberries and like moldy cheese just like this is the only food you've got i mean you could just say blue cheese that's basically moldy cheese but yeah so they're on this planet where these uh innocent little shrimp farmers are getting their shit pushed in by fucking uh the, pug boys the barbarians at the beginning of gladiator but they're dogs <laughs> yeah clatoonians are pug faces apparently the, and uh the best star wars prop gun is featured in this which is literally just a lever action shotgun like in terminator with no <laughs> modifications to it apparently they were filming in england and didn't have any of the prop guns come in time so they just like went to a local pub and grabbed the the one gun hanging behind the bar <laughs> The Winchester, they say it's still deactivated. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, that was just the uh, the gun in the middle of the scene. So Mandalorian goes there because the planet just kind of looks like um, Washington, Missouri. Uh, yeah. We're deep in the Missouri woods. They, they're actually all just on Earth the whole time. So this is Missouri. This is the Missouri episode. This is actually taking place in Kirksville around <laughs> Truman State University. You ever go on a I've road? been here to this village. Uh, <laughs> I was visiting a friend. Did they and... have blue shrimp? Yeah, they did. They oh, uh, they had those at, at the nightclub. Just just injected with some of the glow stick fluid because they drank out of the hose when they were little, so this can't hurt them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just they just mainline glow stick juice. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know what you city folk are doing over there, but we're mainline in glow stick juice. <laughs> my brother did that and my mom freaked the fuck out. Yeah, no shit, Easton. <laughs> Wait, he did? He, when he was like 
ate a glow stick cracked on Halloween, and he got a bunch of it in his mouth, and my mom freaked the fuck out. He was fine, but she was this close to calling poison control. <laughs> I oh. thought you meant he, like, injected it. Yeah, I thought he was, like, but drinking wait. it like it was Nuka-Cola from No, Fallout. dumbass, he snorted it. No, that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> wait, he like... took glow stick fluid straight to the dome? No. Oh. Fine. Okay. Fine. Like, he, like, was like, hey, look, and put it on his face and got a bunch in his mouth, and it was glowing, and he's like, this is cool, and my mom was like, that's poison, you dumbass. See, I forgot that most households don't have a bunch of syringes laying around, because my dad was dying. <laughs> diabetic growing up and i thought oh it's perfectly reasonable for a kid to just have a syringe to inject glow stick fluid into their veins right that's how josh became dr manhattan for two days <laughs> yeah that's how you turn insulin into winsulin you just make it glow <laughs> so he he looks down and he's you know where he's the, the equivalent of when you're on a road trip and you're surrounded by nothing but fields and you see a gas station he's like all right this is home now baby yoda's fucking with the radio and, uh, so they land on this planet that's just supposed to be way the fuck out of nowhere, and he immediately sees that chick from Deadpool in, like, mercenary gear. Yeah, no, Gina Carano is guest star Cara Dune. I think she was one of the only characters that had any marketing outside of the Mandalorian himself, and maybe IG-11, uh, Taika Waititi's character from episode one. Uh, she had an action figure and appeared in the only Lego set relating to the Mandalorian, so she really was the only one to get Star Wars merch out of it. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Kevin Feige must have been pissed. <laughs> You're not supposed to make merch of the female characters, no matter how important they are. You guys, that's a good point. There's female characters in this that are important. This is a complete cinematic failure. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's be abundantly clear and kind of address the elephant in the room episode four is where all of the articles saying mandalorian bad started coming up which i don't understand this is like actually important shit for us to talk about because we watched this last week and chose not to talk about this because these are better bundled than threes yes and uh, the original trilogy <laughs> i'm gonna eat my own ass <laughs> So, we we watched this last week, and you were saying the same exact thing, because no, notably, the press had already come out, and after watching it, I wasn't aware at the time until you said that this had, this had been happening, and it made no fucking sense to me that people were saying Star Wars bad. Was it purely because this was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, and, like, his, his compatriot was a woman in this episode. Some people are are pointing it at the performances, saying, like, the Mando's acting out of character and the writing feels off, even though this is the only episode of the three we're about to discuss that was written by Jon Favreau, who writes all but two episodes of the season. Five and six were guest writers. Did you ever see Stranger Things season two? I've not seen any of Stranger Things. So there's this episode in Stranger Things season two where um, Eleven goes off on a side adventure and like runs into the X-Men. Mm. And um, it's it's a really solid episode. They got like completely different sets. It's got a good like, you know, it's, it's well cut, um, exciting plot and everything. And I think it had a female director, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the two main characters of the episode are women. And the internet just shit all over it because it was a side quest. But then they dug a little deeper and they're like, there are women involved. Oh, my God. So do you really think that this is because when you say Mandalorian isn't acting the same, he keeps his fucking helmet on. Mm -hmm. That's all he had to do. <laughs> like, what, what, this is a completely normal episode. Fits the tone of the rest of the show. Yeah. What's your opinion on why the fuck the internet's picking on this perfectly fine episode? I think a part of it is they kind of expected a more serial approach to the story. 
they wanted like more continuation of what the Mandalorian is doing in this main plot to keep Baby Yoda away from Werner Herzog and his big dick for dead babies. <laughs> and unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, this really is just side quest territory for the next three episodes. It's just the Mandalorian kind of existing in the Star Wars galaxy, and I think people took issue with that. I personally loved this. I know Josh, when we watched this last week, said it was probably his favorite of the ones we watched. And honestly, kind of hints of this approach to the series appeared in Episode 2, because Episode 2 is an entire side quest. The only difference is that it's sandwiched between two main quest episodes. The, the thing is, I think that TV for so long has been basically a really long movie. Mm -hmm. And this is like an old school TV show, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's like the movie pilot where the first few episodes could be stitched together into a movie if things go wrong. Yeah. And then it's just episodic after that with like Monster of the Week stuff. And uh, youngins don't know how to process that. And they're like, this has nothing to do with the rest of the story. But watching the, like, considering the next two episodes, I think this is just, like, a TV show. <laughs> and not, like, some weird Game of Thrones shit. Right. That said, it has a production value, Game of Thrones, which throws people off, for sure. Because uh, episodic TV content has a noticeable style of production that's made to be as cheap and efficient as possible. I mean, what the fuck did they want? Like, Werner Herzog and the, the the dirty stormtroopers coming around like Team Rocket every episode? Just like, that damn Mandalorian! The he was on the blue shrimp planet! That's like, yeah... Give all, me your spatchka! <laughs> all of those characters really, I think, stayed exactly their welcome. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy to see a TV show that's just a TV show where I don't have to put an entire 40-hour work week into catching up when I watch the next episode if I'm, like, busy. Right. Plus, uh, TV shows have this tendency when they're not, like, you know, when they're hyper-serialized like that. Um, they have a lot of scenes where they humanize characters that really don't fucking need to be humanized. Like, imagine the B-plot where it's just a whole flashback episode of how, like, the Warner Herzog war warlord character got to, like work for the imperial fuckers you know just just like some filler episode because they need a minute and he's like when i was a young man on coruscant somebody took my puppy and like, like that shit the tv series is who over like have characters who overstay their welcome so they can have the main actors in every episode they eventually get off on that shit that is not happening here fortunately right and it's 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 one of those things i actually really like this episode I like I, I particularly like Cara Dune as a character, not just like costume design because costume design has been strong across this whole series, but I just kind of like uh, we pointed out it's seven samurai but with two characters in Missouri. I would yeah. say I would say episode uh, six has some fucky costume decisions, but we'll definitely get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> this uh, this is one of those classic. Like, did you guys watch the uh, Netflix series Castlevania? No. I hear you like Castlevania. Psychomantis! <laughs> so this is the the most recent one in my memory. Josh, you probably have a lot more artful version of this, but it's a Train the Villager sequence. Mm -hmm. uh, in Castlevania, fucking uh, the, the main character, uh, they're like, oh, Dracula's horde is coming to fuck up our town. And, you know, main guy is just like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. We're gonna die. And all the, all the fucking village people are like, no, give us sticks. <laughs> we, if we band together and form a plan, we can kill the level 99 monsters coming for our level 1 assholes. <laughs> and, and that happens in this episode. 
It does. Uh, I don't know if any villagers actually die in the finale assault, and that's kind of strange, but this is at its core Star Wars, so there's some kiddish shit to be expected. What, right, like the collateral damage that happens in this episode on the villagers end would make them want to die, so people are going to die if winter comes too early this year because their fucking houses got blew up. Yeah, this is like a very... It's got a very dark tone and aesthetic, but ultimately this is kind of... This TV show is like a throwback to when TV shows were TV shows and not movies that had a big bloated script that yeah. they wanted to release over eight hours instead of two. So like you get, you don't have all of the weird overly dark shit that people have said have just for whatever reason decided is mature over the last few years. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's very much so a, like a throwback. None of the characters are afraid to be cool either, which has been a big pet peeve of mine recently where they just go for tropes they go for playing things straight they don't feel the need to subvert your expectations to make themselves seem smarter and like because they do that this show feels a lot smarter than a lot of other ones gina carano just straight up starts punching a man with invincible metal armor and holds her own (laughs) and you can take umbrage with that if you're a nitpicky asshole but at its core she's just awesome (laughs) hardcore enough to go toe-to-toe with a mandalorian the show's obeying the rule of cool all the way down. Yeah, yeah, like like the ATST. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the villagers lights. Yeah, the villagers uh, true to the seven samurai uh, stock plot. Basically, they don't tell the heroes about something really dangerous to uh, get them to work. So uh, like, yes, once they're in too deep, seven samurai where a giant two-legged mech walker showed up on the edge of a Japanese village. Well, they're like, well, we got more than we bargained for. How are we going to figure this out? Hey, this and then f- all of a sudden an ATST that they put Philips Hue bulbs inside to make the <laughs> eyes red uh, shows up and it's painted with like a skull on it or some shit. It, yeah. It's the only media that an ATST has been scary in. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, because they actually, like, dwell on that, because there are no fucking Jedis around. So the two main characters who are just, like, you know, kind of competent are just like, hey, listen, these things are actually, like, mechs. You don't want to, yeah. like, you don't send foot soldiers after these fucking things. Yeah, they... we're, this is playing right now, and they use it more like a dinosaur in a Jurassic Park movie than, like... <gasps> Which Bryce Dallas robot. Howard. You're fucking right. Not just that, but they never frame it like you would frame a person. They're always having to look up or go into a really wide shot to show its scale. Dude, Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode because it has a, a fucking dinosaur that shoots lasers <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we should also mention Bryce Dallas Howard did a phenomenal job. Kind of comparing this episode to others, I really like the pace of it and the kind of willingness to keep the slow parts dramatically or slower, so that when the tension ramps up, it's very tense. Well, I I don't think that she did it too true to herself, because when Mando and um, Deadpool Lady are running away from the ATST, neither of them are in high heels. No, that's fair. And I was was fucking, when I saw that director name, I was like, you betrayed who you were, sister. (laughs) (laughs) On the inside, you're someone different, you're just playing for all these fuckers. Yeah. Also, I like that the ATST can't shoot for shit. It's like, who the hell set this thing to inverted? Well, it's, a, it's being run by a bunch of dog barbarians. <laughs> That's fair. They use, like, shotguns in Star Wars. Yeah. And are easily dispatched by villagers with sharpened sticks. That's fair. So, like, it's not it's not being run by the most competent crew. Yeah. It's like giving a bunch of nine-year-olds a tank. 
Yeah, and then like they come up with like the funniest cartoon way to deal with this horrifying machine of death. And then they play it completely straight, and it still manages to be cool. You take the ATST, you puts it in a hole. <laughs> it it goes inside the hole. It puts the lotion on the skin. See the. It's really cool how they shot that the action scene in episode four where it it feels like a weird mix of the battle scene at the beginning of Gladiator and like World War One. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of emphasis on kind of like keeping it in trenches and staying low. Yeah, there's actual danger in the show, and the fact that characters don't have insane plot armor is, like, exactly what we need. When people said they were getting sick of Star Wars, I think they were just getting sick of, like, like, like the same way you're sick of watching Goku level up in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Like, once he's gone Super Saiyan 3, you're kind of done. Be and careful, you'll make all of the black nerds angry. We, we, watched, we watched a dude in Episode 7 pause a bullet. You yeah. know, like, like, watching a series where people exist in this crazy universe... Where, like, the, be the best thing you could possibly get, assuming you did perfect in life, is just, like, some tiny bulletproof plating on various parts of your body. You know, assuming you are, like, a god warrior breed, mm -hmm. and you get legendary equip shit, you're, st you're still fucking scared. You know, mm -hmm. because you can't s pause bullets or, <laughs> or wield a double laser sword. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, yeah. I don't know, I just really like this episode. I'm having a hard time focusing because I just kind of want to dig into and watch it in the background. And I'm noticing a lot of directorial choices since we have it on mute. It's really helpful to kind of nail Bryce Dallas Howard making a good episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much of her directorial over, over a, I, I don't know her repertoire of shit, but she, she pulled it out on this one. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, playing these live was a mistake because this is actually kind of hypnotic. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a difficult thing to do. But so, I think ultimately episode four is one of the better episodes we've seen of the whole series. Absolutely. I was, I was pretty fucking thrilled the whole time. So eventually they defeat the threat. And uh, their, uh, Baby Yoda's having a great time. Like, like he's in idyllic sort of... Uh, like, daycare festival land. And by daycare festival, we mean that uh, he's being watched by a ton of kids all the time who get grossed out that he wants to eat a frog. He is that white bodybuilder in Japan. He, he is like... <laughs> like, I had a friend. He's real fucking buff. He's also a, a, vid a video editor, VFX guy. He went to Japan and just had the fucking time of his life because he's a normal height, but he's ripped. <laughs> so everybody was like, Oh, this is this white guy with just massive muscles celebrity status so that's baby yoda in this episode and you know the town's all like serene once it's not being attacked by mechs and and pug bandits they don't really make a big deal of it but apparently multiple weeks pass before the jfk shot attempts to happen yeah before somebody tries to zapruder film baby yoda um they they kind of chill out for a little bit what's the character's name clara dune right clara dune yeah when, uh, Cara Dune tells the Mandalorian, yo, you should fuck that widow who's been hitting on you this whole episode, which is weird because Star Wars is a sexless void where no one ever gets laid or hooks up. The most skin shown on the costume so far is, like, hands and feet and Cara Dune's arms. Right. All of the costumes in this episode in particular are weirdly conservative, and I mean, like, it's cool. It's really good costume design. It's just something that's very different after we get... From like episode six, which had a stripper Twi'lek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. 
So Baby Yoda's trying to chill. Mando thinks, all right, I'm going to leave him in Pokemon daycare so he can level up while I go, you know, forget about him and never pick up this cartridge again. Yeah. And I can just assume all's going to be well. And it turns out that people still have the tracking fob on Baby Yoda, so they're not safe there. Yep. So Mando packs up and leaves, and everybody's sad except for Cara Dune, who's just there, I guess. Yeah, but you got to give it to the Widow Chick. She tried. She tried really hard to pull off his helmet, and he let it get about half an inch off before stopping her. That is like the Mandalorian equivalent of just, like, dry humping. Is you somebody you lifting your helmet, like, three inches? <laughs> <laughs> He, 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 he nutted so fucking hard. You can hear it in the sound mix if you turn the volume all the way up. Wait, the Mandalorians are never nude. <laughs> he has Beskar for his penis. Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have a cod piece. He doesn't he says, have... like, what, what happens no, if he takes off No, the cod piece is helmet. directly on the penis. Well, he says, like, if he can't... If someone, you know, takes his helmet off, he can't ever put it back on. It's part of his, like, religious creed. But he doesn't have a cod piece. <laughs> Are we making so that a means, helmet joke? Yeah, so that means either they don't have cod pieces so that they can still reproduce and not take their helmet off, or he took off his cod piece at some point and can never put it back on. <laughs> yeah, Django Fett has a cod piece, so it's probably the latter. Yeah, yeah and Django Fett had to clone a son. <laughs> Jango Fett died a virgin. Oh my god, this Mandalorian fucks. He, did, he didn't just die a virgin, the anti-virgin fucking Samuel L. Jackson beheaded him. <laughs> Wait, this but... is begging for a Chad virgin name. <laughs> what, what is Chad it? Mandalorian versus virgin Jango Fett. <laughs> Yeah. All right, that, that'll be the quickest Photoshop I ever do. <laughs> Christ in heaven. So he's he's talking to the chick, and she's like, you should stay around a while. And he just goes full-blown, just like fucking... He's like, no... Have you ever thrill- killed a man before? <laughs> the rush of it. I, I'm addicted to it. It's better than speed. <laughs> he just starts going off on how he's seen inside of so many people's heads that it just, like, infiltrated his nightmares. And he can't do anything anymore without the bloodlust. He can't even walk. So he's just going on this, like, ten-minute rant about, like, the thrill of ending another man's life. And she's looking at there just getting wet as shit. And he still bails. (laughs) Yeah, that nut Rooney blasted straight through the armor and right into her uterus. (laughs) She got... So eventually, you know, they, they end up leaving the planet. Him and Baby Yoda look back on the peaceful forest mission level. And uh, I don't think there's like an after credits thing in this one, is there? He just no, kinda... no, they don't really do after credits. They just show concept artwork. Because, not, 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 sorry, not a stinger, but in, in every Mandalorian episode, it's sort of like a Metroid game if you 100% it. Mm-hmm. What happens is the ship flies off. Samus Aran's ship just flies off into the fucking distance does a little scaling thing and then um some weird shit steps into frame and you're just like oh what was that oh uh no this episode does not have that All i right. think the only one that does is episode five as far as weird shit stepping into frame which which we're we're about to get to i'm about to but switch that up yep so yeah i think that overall episode four is great i would i i've kind of shifted my opinion on it i think that it is probably my favorite of the show so far yeah i think it's a really good monster of the week just kind of fun episode and now we're on to episode five yeah which is a space battle 
The yeah. first space battle in the entire series. Yeah, it opens with a it opens with a space battle, and this episode is pure fan service because it is written and directed by Dave Filoni, the creative lead of Star Wars: The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and I think Star Wars Resistance, but I'm not sure on that one. Man, if your name rhymes with such an inferior lunch meat, you would direct <laughs> a prequel. <laughs> Oh my god, I just noticed something. So, it starts off with a, a starfighter chasing the Mandalorians. Just weird, legitimate piece of shit. It isn't like the Millennium Falcon where it's like super modified to be cool. No, it's just a piece of shit ship. And uh, he's getting his ass kicked by someone in a star in a fighter that has like all sorts of weird, like... He's got like on his gas mask, he's got like shark teeth and stuff. And his ship's all painted while the Mandalorian says nothing on it. And I realized the Mandalorian is the kind of person that doesn't buy skins and just plays the free-to-play game to play it. But the <laughs> Starfighter hunting him put a bunch of money into skins, but was a total scrub. Because <laughs> the Mandalorian just turned off flight assist and used the fact that he's in space and not like in the sky to, to get behind the person and shoot him in the back. He fucking brake-checked a guy in yeah. space. In, in space. space. And then he has to go to Tatooine to get his ship repaired because yeah. uh, he doesn't have shields apparently. Yep, this episode is just legitimately fan service. He lands in Tatooine and goes to fucking Mos Eisley, where A New Hope took place in the opening. Yeah, don't they even have a line about how the suns are rising just to like beat you over the head a little bit with it? Yep. Yeah. And uh, he runs into what looks like you know adult Fran Drescher after a bunch of meth. Like who who is that? <laughs> Who's that mechanic lady? I feel like I should know who she is. It's it's a cameo. I'm going to look up the actors and actresses' names just so we kind of have a reference point. That's one of the only things in the show. If anyone's ever mean to the Mandalorian, they're probably a very famous actor. Mm -hmm. Everybody else doesn't get to be mean to the Mandalorian or they get cucked by the Mandalorian. But if they get a moment where they have a leg up on the Mandalorian, you're like, oh, that person's IMDb page is like 60 feet long. Uh, one thing to note, and this is a thing across the whole episode, I just learned this recently, more often than not, Pedro Pascal is not in the armor. It's actually, more often than not, the stunt performers doing the acting, and in episode 4, Sanctuary, Pedro is not on screen the entire episode. It is one of the two stunt performers with his voice dubbed over. Fuck! Which, I mean, is kind of neat that... They have a character they can get away with But think that. of the old Star Wars. James Earl Jones was in that Darth Vader suit every fucking movie, doing the <laughs> voice and the acting. Go to hell. <laughs> For reference, uh, that's fake news. That's legitimate misinformation that you're pushing. Yeah, the, the David Prowse was the physical actor. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call the GRU now and tell them you guys fucking blew my cover. Fuck you guys. <laughs> How am I supposed to play CSGO if they don't fucking pay me? <laughs> well, I can't get cheeky breaky oh, yeah. tonight. <laughs> oh yeah, the mechanic has those dumbass pit droids from episode one. Uh, and they're being like three stooges dumbasses, and the Mandalorian just hates them, and it's the most glorious thing on the planet. Well, there's also another aspect to this where all of the droids that he encounters are kind of like cut rate, and they aren't like sentient like R2D2 or C3PO. They're like actually robots. <laughs> yeah. Amy Sedaris. Amy Sedaris is the uh, actress in episode five. Isn't that the, the dude who does all the Planet of the Apes movies? I am pretty sure it is not Andy Serkis. <laughs> 
so, so what happens is uh, Mando goes to Tatooine, and uh, the chick is just like, well, your ship is completely fucked because, you know, he did that thing in, like, the Star Fox level where you're basically down in the red health bar. Uh, the space fight, like, he did not get the upper hand until it was absolutely critical. Yeah, also, but... there was an episode where the ship was taken apart entirely by Jawas and then put together by Nick Nolte in a pig costume. If there's anything that's like the true MVP of the Mandalorian, it's his poor fucking ship. <laughs> yeah, the Razor Crest survives fucking everything. So, and then Richard Iowati just just throws it all over the goddamn place next episode. I, I just realized looking at it now, it's like a one eight scale model of the uh, of the Serenity. Oh, Firefly. Kind of. Don't say that because now I can't deal with anyone but Nathan Fillion, Fillion being the captain. <laughs> but it's also like a mix of that and the clone gunship. Yeah. It looks like a clone gunship if someone just welded sheet metal to it to make it semi-airtight and yeah. taped a bunch of engines onto it. Guys, I've got a theory. So, since oh, no. the, uh, what's the ship called? Which one? The one he drives. The Razor Crest. Since the Razor Crest keeps getting just fucked up and brought back, uh, the thing that's ultimately going to destroy it for good, like Thor Ragnarok, you know, is gonna be just like somebody flipping the wrong switch. A just they're gonna go for, go oh. for broke... All humor. It's just gonna be somebody just fucking being like, "Oh, what does this do?" And the thing just breaks into a billion atoms. <laughs> the season finale is gonna get really intense, and he's like running from the empire, and then it's gonna be like the Blues Brothers, where once it's uh, done with the final chase, it just all falls apart on its own volition. <laughs> oh, hey, we're here, Jake Cannavale, knockoff Aiden Christensen. Ah, uh, <laughs> my favorite character in this series so far. So the Otis of the episode five is not just being fan service, but Mando needs fucking cash now. So he's calling JG Wentworth in Moss Eisley <laughs> and ends up with this dumbass. They hook him up with some lead singer of Green Day looking ass. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird frat boy version of Hayden Christensen, where he sounds like Hayden Christensen but, with a and little it did, bit more testosterone. And with one earring. <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's got the whole like San Francisco in the eighties like covert signal I'm gay thing going on, and also like the the weird like kind of beard. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he he looks like a douche. You can he just he call looks me like out, whack. Okay, hmm? you can just call me out. Okay, no, no, <laughs> you don't look like whack Efron. <laughs> discount, discount, Zach Efron, whack Efron. Yeah. You can buy him at Walmart for twelve ninety nine. Whack Jeffron. <laughs> I will say, the actor pulls this character off though. Like, I fully believe that this is like a real douchebag. Yeah, yeah. It's the weirdest thing because when you told me this was directed by a prequel guy, I was expecting a major change in tone, but for the worse. And instead, what we got was like. This real movie with an actual betrayal. And, like, like fucking awesome <laughs> shit happens in this episode. Dave Filoni is kind of one of the biggest fans of Star Wars, and the fact that he's gotten to make so much Star Wars makes him a, as much a leading expert as George Lucas. Like, he and George Lucas sat in rooms together and just made fucking Star Wars. He just sat there one day while this was being produced and was just like, I'm gonna do the whole Anakin subplot, but I'm gonna make it amazing. Yeah, he... he predates disney he predates disney acquiring star wars he was with lucasfilm in 08 jesus basically the whole point is that this douchebag guy who we haven't explained even his role in the plot other than that he's a massive fucking douche i mean that... that he's trying to get his bounty hunt he's trying to get sag 
uh, SAG accredited, and get just like five lines. <laughs> he tries but to be SAG after. Ben, yeah, but instead of getting like five spoken lines, he's gotta kill someone, or at least bring them in warm. Some somebody like fucking hated this guy as much as we do, so they gave him his first puck, and it's just like it an assassin a... who's notorious, and the Mando's fucking scared of her and thinks it's a bad idea. Fennec Shand Mignoen, also known as uh, the other girl in the Iron Fist. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Fennec Shan Mengdawen? Mingna Wen is the actress's name, and oh. she was also in Iron Fist. When you said all of those things <laughs> together, it sounded like the lyrics to Black Betty from a weird alternate universe. <laughs> you don't know that it isn't. You oh, can't no. prove this. So, uh, Mandalorian is like, fuck, I need money, otherwise this, like, Afro bitch isn't gonna, like, repair my ship right. Yeah, fucking Ripley from Alien. Yeah, Ripley from Alien after... Jesus Christ, she does look like knockoff Sigourney Weaver and is kind of fucking great. Basically, 10 years in the sun and 20 years on meth will do that to you. She she looks she looks fun, except she's got, like, crazy Jewish mom energy. <laughs> Where and, are her eyebrows? If you look at her on screen, her eyebrows are very difficult to see. They're sunched off. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> So he goes off to get, get get her her money. She's basically his ship pimp. And uh, he's going off on the suicide mission with this dude. The dude just wants all the reputation, and Mando's going to get the money. They've had this preformed agreement. He just wants a membership card. He just wants to get into the fucking country club. And they ride off into just a never-ending desert. Yep, that's the planet of Tatooine is a never-ending desert. Barely any fucking landmarks. Huge expanse. Uh, they have this wonderful scene on these fucking bikes where the speed of it and how they shot it is actually emphasized in a way that's really fucking cool. Major pod racing vibes. The closest we've gotten to this was pod racing and episode six, the speeder chase through Endor that sucked. <laughs> I so, fucking hated watching that. Weren't there just Ewoks intercut with that shit? No, there okay. were not Ewoks intercut with that. It, pre it was before the reveal of the Ewoks. It's got some Mad Max vibes to it, too. Yeah, yeah, they've got these really spectacular wide shots where people are just standing looking badass. And um, they had a great wide shot in the uh, episode four, Sanctuary, where it's just the fucking ATST squaring off against the village in a wide. You can tell why they show the concept art after every episode because they put the time in to actually make that into the into the real movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's fantastic. I I personally am a really big fan of just the look of this show. It's so hypnotic to watch on mute. And then this point in the episode, which we're reacting to the episode live, they run into Tusken Raiders. And we get to engage in something that is both very familiar yet very different. And that's kind of something that the Mandalorian does as a whole. It takes concepts that we know about Star Wars and turns them on their head. Uh, ATST is previously super easy to deal with, even as foot soldiers, because you have teddy bears on your side that make fucking contraptions out of wood logs, are suddenly a massive undertaking to deal with. And Tusken Raiders, previously a purely hostile force in multiple Star Wars films, the Mandalorian negotiates with them and gives them binoculars, and they just fuck off for the rest of the episode. Yeah, he has this really woke line where he's super 2019. He's like, you know, the Tusken Raiders think they're the natives, actually. And, and <laughs> you're you're being intruders, dickless. And, uh, Not stolen, conquered. <laughs> you, you can tell that he's read Bury My Heart at Wounded Dune. Like, he's, he's just... He's, the Mandalorian's woke in this episode. 
And uh, so he gets them out of that situation, and we had this funny riff because, you know, he takes the new guy's, like, fucking spanking new, fresh-off Newegg binoculars and just hands <laughs> them over to the raiders so they can, like, go over the land without getting fucking, you know, destroyed. Yeah, it's and, just... And they do, they do a very similar setup for the second scene where it's them in a wide looking at the next fucking thing they have to have conflict with. And we were just thinking, what if he just keeps taking this guy's shit <laughs> as a solution to all their problems? Give me your goggles. What if I, well, if I drive the speeder, I'll go blind. Just close your eyes when you do it. <laughs> all right, we ran into a Marmaduke. Uh, give me your gun. Why? I think he wants it in his mouth like a chew toy. Just shut the fuck up. Hey, Morty, you gotta listen to me. <laughs> The more DeLorean, yeah. <laughs> oh that's, you just accurately guessed a title of an episode in season four, Rick and Morty. Oh no. <laughs> the more DeLorean, no. Rick, it's Rick, I happen. want to do a Star Wars. Morty, Star Wars is overplayed. Nobody's liked it since fucking 2015. I would love this, because they ruined Avengers. They already shit on a Disney property. I'd love to see Rick and Morty ruin Star Wars. I don't think they can really ruin it so much as just show that they don't like it. I... I that's that's completely fair. I, I mean, they could just make an episode of The Expanse if they want to ruin Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> but so they they eventually uh, get past the second fucking uh, you you know weird event. He doesn't steal anything from from Billy Joel Armstrong, and uh, they start getting full metal jacketed. Wait, they they start getting sniped at. Yeah, and and finally we get proof that the Mandalorian runs like he has invincible armor, but doesn't like getting shot. Yeah. Because he just tanks a few sniper rounds because they're from two miles away. Imagine getting hit with a toaster that can somehow open its mouth. I am, <laughs> like, what do you think it's like for him to get shot in the Beskar? Uh, I think it's I think it's comparable to just getting shot in bulletproof armor. There is a nasty bruise underneath, and it probably hurts like hell. Yeah. He takes one. He takes one of these shots at 500 meters later, and it is kind of ridiculous, but awesome. Well, his his secret is that his ribs are always broken. So <laughs> Every broke. time I exhale, my ribs puncture my lungs. Why are you doing that? In case God needs to make another girl. Why do you think I'm doing it? Because everyone's shooting at me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck That's it. Mandalorian's canon name is just Adam. <laughs> That would suck if his reveal name was Adam. <laughs> he has a reveal name which we're not going to at all touch on because it is confusing and fucking stupid. Wait, wait, wait. I, I heard episode fucking nine got leaked, but did they really leak the Mandalorian's real name? Uh, after the first episode, Pedro Pascal just revealed the name in an interview. He did a Tom Holland, but yes. way worse. He did a Tom Holland, but for a thing that I'm not sure is even a salient point in any of the episodes. Dude, what I if... I don't think it... Yeah, his name being a secret isn't even, like, a plot point. Yeah, yeah, it would. Because in the last episode, somebody's gonna be like, Hey, what's your name? And he's like, My name is not Rick. <laughs> just leave. <laughs> My name is Adam. <laughs> <laughs> just so, uh, they start getting sniped at. Mandalorian decides to do some bullshit army shit. And is like, let's wait until dark. And uh, then we have a shot at the sniper person. Who's far away, has the high ground. And they do, they do the meta thing. Has the high ground. Has the high ground. We're waiting until night, fucko. Yeah, so even though... She has a fucking thermal scope. 
Right. So their their big nasty plan, spoilers, is um, that they're gonna ride at this bitch. They have three bright ass flares, and they're they're riding at her top speed. So every time she's about to shoot them, they shoot off a flare and temporarily fuck up her scope. And it's really cool. It's really fucking cool. Honestly, this set piece is just awesome to watch because it's a VFX heavy scene. But it's executed so well. We're kind of used to Star Wars VFX like this looking kind of trash. But I'm amazed that they pulled this off on a fucking TV budget. Well, here's the thing. They, uh, Star Wars, like a lot of the problem I have with the prequels are they're spammy. Mm-hmm. Like they just spam you with everything ILM can throw at your eyeballs. Meanwhile, this, it's three people interacting over a massive football stadium sized like venue. It's... It's really fun to watch, and for people that don't like this episode, I kind of get it. There is a lot of fan service being on Tatooine, especially in the front half of the episode. Sure. But once you get to the back half, the story of it is just really cool, and drinking in the visuals of just rushing the sniper with speeder bikes and flare guns and nothing else is really awesome. Yeah. It's a unique situation that you don't really see in other media, and because of the speed and nature of Star Wars, it's something that really Star Wars can only pull off. Yeah, plus they have to cover the desert level. They got forest level, they got desert level, uh, you know, they got seedy bounty hunter blue level, where, yeah. the, where everything's blue. Does and that then... mean that episode seven's going to be a sewer level? Yes! Sewer I cannot level. wait for sewer level! I just, well, I guess the ice level was in the beginning of episode one, but I want better ice level. That ice level sucked. Yeah, it would be neat if we had, like, ice spires, like a big ice palace that Mandalorian has to go into and kill Elsa. <laughs> Hey, it could be canon with Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's nothing that says that Arendelle doesn't exist in the Star Wars universe. In a diff- it is a different galaxy. It's not in canon, though. It's only in Legends. So, so eventually, like breasts. They, they, they catch up to this, um, this chick, and uh, they catch her in the sniper tower, and she's fucked up, and she's just going up to these army dudes in Vietnam going, Kill me! Kill me! And she's like 12, and, and Full Metal Jacket fucked me up, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> So, yeah, Agent Orange was a real bitch back then, wasn't it? So this isn't Full Metal Jacket. They find the sniper chick, and she's she's fine. They finally get her to cuff herself, and then they have an argument about who's going to go get the back because she blew up Mando's speeder bike. Right, so Man- uh, Mando eventually is just like, all right, it's not that far of a walk, and decides to devote... The next, like, six hours until sunrise to go get this fucking animal to ride. Yeah, it took him three hours to get to it, but then he forgot that a dewback is about as fast as walking speed. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's just one of those things. He, he didn't, he, what's that, what's the study of animals? Is it like veterinology? What the fuck? Who cares? He, di- he didn't major in zoology at Assassin College. You can tell. He majored in armor and being dickless. <laughs> he, he majored in fucking. Yeah. So, um, you know, naturally, this um, famed assassin that they happen to have cuffed up with newbie has to use her feminine wiles to explain the plot. <laughs> like, just catch this guy up on spoilers for episodes one through three. She's just like, hey, I really liked Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Nobody <laughs> likes that song as much as me. And she's like, yeah, it was really a turning point in your band. Hey, did you know that that Mandalorian's the most wanted bounty hunter in the galaxy? <laughs> I also like the they keep acting like the fucking bounty hunters just go to sleep. <laughs> like, Fennec could have just started assaulting him. 
probably is cool enough to do it, but she just leans back on a rock, and I assume that she just goes to sleep instead of stares at him like it shows in the episode. Well, I'm not worried about... Do we know the guy's name? Fucking, you know, Hack uh, Efron? Yeah, Hack Efron is his actual name. Okay, That well, sounds like a Star Wars name. Well, that's the thing. Hack Efron doesn't sleep because the city sleeps, and he's the only one. <laughs> he walks alone. <laughs> okay? <laughs> We're just going to keep this joke going. So, uh, eventually... But also, like, it's it's unfair to him. He he doesn't want to be an American idiot, so he doesn't watch TV. <laughs> so, eventually, she's like, you really want to have a holiday? You really want to have a payday? You really want to have a green day? Bring this Mando back, because his armor is worth more than my fucking bounty. Alright? And, uh, so... Hack Efron is just, she's just like, here, let's form an alliance, double cross this Mandalorian, you'll be a guild legend, I'll get the fuck out of here, it's a win-win-win. And then, he gets to pull some sublime <laughs> douche shit! He just fucking offs her, right <laughs> in the uterus. He, he's, yeah, he just shoots her in the fucking baby house. <laughs> And, and and she's just she's just fucking down. So Mando eventually, after you know, like the just, next six hours riding a dewback across the desert, downloading one Green Day album on dial-up speeds, <laughs> he just gets out and sees what Billy Joe Armstrong has done, and is just like, ah, fuck. Because now he knows this dude's bad news. Yeah, no, this dude was told the whole plot, including the child, which he puts together because he saw. And I think that we got to give the actor credit. You can basically see him putting the pieces together without him saying, oh my god, oh, no, he's the green good, baby Yoda. He's a good actor, but the character's a douchebag, so it's really fun to make fun of him. But, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why we love him. He's the most convincing douchebag I think I've ever seen in media. Yep. So he goes back to his ship, you know, all parked at the mechanic's place, and he's got a fucking gun drawn because he knows this guy's bad news. And, um... Yeah, Amanda's just like, you motherfucker, get your ass out of my ship. And Green Day guy comes out with the fucking mechanic and Baby Yoda held at 21 guns point. <laughs> it's and what happens is basically what happens when a level 21 goes up against a level 99 in the Wildy. <laughs> and to be fair, this is a very smart level 21, but he's only a level 21. Right. Mando has something behind his back the whole time, and it turns out it's the Blinding Light spell. And he does the same thing that they use to take out the sniper to take out this fucking lead singer. Mando multiclassed into Warlock and just cast Color Flash. <laughs> And that's how he gets out of that sticky situation. He uh, goes, he loots the body, gets like a mill, uh, throws it at the fucking mechanic. Mechanics chill. And then they ride off into the cleanest ending, you know, which is all that we're going to get in like si side quest universe. It's just these episodes with really sexy, clean endings. Except we're lying to you because there is like after the ship flies off, somebody walks up to Fennec Shan's body and like kneels down and that's where it cuts. So there's a lot of questions. It looked yeah. like another Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah, it did, which is really interesting. What because if it's, it's like, also a Mandalorian with a cape. What if it's like a woman Delorean and she's trying to find him because she skipped out on the wedding and the, she wants to light him on fire? I think it's the woman from episode four. I'm oh. calling it right now. Cara Dune? No. Uh, the random the random widow that was instantly into him. You're oh, fucking yeah. right because she was trying to honeypot him. <laughs> yeah, and she had... She, like, knew how to shoot, like, a sharpshooter for some reason. Yeah! We skipped over the fact that she's just dead shot from Suicide Squad. Yeah, everyone else has normal gun capabilities with blasters, because in Star Wars, accuracy is just not the stat everybody rolls for. 
and she's just fucking shooting the fuck out of this pan. It, mm. It's like it's like Mel Gibson in uh, Lethal Weapon One. <laughs> like that's what it's like at the range. She's just drilling this fucking pan like it's nothing. Yeah, and she gives him a helm job. She's doing everything that she can to trap this fucker. Yeah, and I think like. Maybe the she's only like, thing he gets away with is cum-stained pants. Yeah. Maybe she's like a reform Mandalorian and not like one of like the ones that are like, you gotta wear your helmet all the time. She's just got like Mandalorian armor just like hung up somewhere. She's not a fucking weirdo. She's just like a normal Mandalorian, unlike this asshole. Yeah, who's just like, I can't ever take off my weapons and if I stop pulling my gun, I have to cut my penis off. Look... <laughs> <laughs> That is what he said. That's an actual quote from the episode. That's why he doesn't wear a codpiece. He doesn't need it. He, <laughs> he let someone see his dick once, and he had to cut it off. Oh, boy. So, yeah, we get this crazy little fucking cliffhanger ending. The only cliffhanger ending in the series so far, to my knowledge. And now we're on to uh, episode, episode six. six. This one is a strange one. So, this one is actually written by Christopher Yost and uh, Rick Fumigiwa, who directed this episode. I'm probably mispronouncing that name but yost is known for like being a co-writing credit on a ton of marvel scripts so he's a disney company man nice so he came in to help co-write this one and it's basically just a heist movie where everybody is fucking mad at each other yeah, yeah. and like the guy that gives the job is as austin pointed out to me i would have missed this the guy that uh the the weird pedophile guy in the first cd of uh true detective he's the guy who gets blown up with the mine I oh think. yeah he, he's um he's there with the pedophile guy making the the weird drugs and like hiding the kids uh but he gets the inglorious death but russ cole runs into him in a bar and he is just the most terrifying person matthew mcconaughey runs into in that whole series because he just knows that matthew mcconaughey is dangerous and won't talk to him yeah it's like I really wanted to hear Pedro Pascal say, what is that, Nietzsche? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, at some point. I mean, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, this guy's sleazy as hell, and the Mandalorian knows it, but he needs money. Yeah. And it's like, watching these, watching this show is kind of like watching someone play a video game they've already beat. <laughs> like, the Mandalorian already knows the twists before they come up. Is he it's New like, Game Plus this guy's with gonna, armor? <laughs> yeah, it's New Game Plus, and he even bought the skin. Yeah, <laughs> just just get full Beskar on first mission. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he's in like new game plus mode. It's like he immediately figures out all of these people that are like working with him, mm -hmm. and he knows that they're gonna like try to kill him because it's like really obvious they're gonna try to kill him. By the way, I gotta say this was fucking awkward to watch after the postmodern heist episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah, <laughs> because that whole episode just talks about how how shitty and repetitious heist movies are, and this is just a by the numbers heist episode until it isn't. Right. It and we'll we'll give it away here now because. This podcast is at an hour. That's fucking awesome, because, you know... We'll uh, get away now. It turns into a horror movie after they betray Mando. Yeah, it's like the... It's the ultimate twist, because you know the heist movie twists are coming, right? Because you're not an idiot. But then it's kind of hinted out throughout the episode that the Mandalorian really wants to kill all of these people with his hands. <laughs> uh, and they're just being a dick to him for no reason. Well, yeah, and, he like, gets off on it. The thrill of killing. Yeah. Of seeing the blood drain from somebody's face. And Remember then, like, episode four, that speech he gave yeah. to that mother? Then, like, uh, they have, like, Clancy Brown as, like, 
the weird mix of Mr. Krabs and the Kurgan from Highlander. Where, <laughs> yeah, he's like the Kurgan from Highlander is in like a terrifying big dude, but he's also painted red in his horns. Yeah. I, I wrote down a list of just who I thought they were. Bill Burr as himself, Satan, Krombopolis Michael, Blaze the Cat played by Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, there's the there's the toy like Harley Quinn that does everything but call the Mandalorian Puddin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my god. It's like the the most hilarious cast of uh, Moss Eisley Cantina extras from episode four. Dude. And that's a big part of this show <laughs> yeah. is it's trying to kind of embrace all of the weird costume and things that early Star Wars did and make it fit into this gritty tone. Did you... Did, what, um... Wow, that came and went. <laughs> Um, trivia-wise, Richard Ioati from the IT crowd is the robot. Oh my god, I love that guy! Yeah, no, it's it's such a subtle voice cast because the robot doesn't really give a lot of character other than just being a dick like everybody else, but it's Richard Ioati, so... Do you think that George Lucas is just, like, in a studio somewhere wearing a really tight fucking chastity belt, just mad that the slutty character in this episode just, like, had a normal-length tongue. He's just like, this is Star Wars! What the fuck?! She's not allowed to do that shit with her tongue unless it's, like, super fucking long! What the shit?! Can we bring out how fucking ridiculous Bill Burr's, like, combat style is in this? Yes! He's got Please. basically Doc Ock arms from, like, <laughs> From like Spider Man Two, not got arms. exactly one Doc Ock, arm. <laughs> one Doc Ock arm oh. that he glues a gun to. Yeah, it take. He has like two guns on his chest and two on his hip, but he has this little robot arm that's has like a gimbal on it that he could shoot people with the pistol. Yep, which is really dumb. It's like the <laughs> least. It's like that weird character build in that video in a video game that you've always wanted to try but it just isn't good and you can't make it work well doesn't the predator have like a little fucking gun that pops up yeah it's yes. it's the predator gun but it's like a normal ass blaster pistol just it's hooked like, on like two dumb like little black arms it could have been really cool if it was like a machine gun or something but it's not it's just a dinky blaster pistol <laughs> i find it funny that he is an imperial sharpshooter he wasn't a stormtrooper he was a sharpshooter he makes a point bill burr actually makes a dig at everything that people hate about star wars he makes a dig at the stormtrooper aim he makes a dig at the gun guns and he makes a dig at canto bite from the last jedi yeah he <laughs> he accuses uh mando of being a gun gun because he doesn't <laughs> take his helmet off Fucking and racist. uh and right. uh yeah, I think at that point his fate was decided. You are in no fucking place to call people a racist. You just quoted Diamond Fox News, the in-universe thing, where they got a memo from fucking Murdoch saying not to call them sharpshooters. He was a sniper in the Imperial Army. <laughs> no, he was, a, he was a sharpshooter in the Imperial Army that was not a stormtrooper. So it, somehow that makes him better because stormtroopers can't aim for shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. and the robot was an extra in uh, episode five. Ooh, was, yeah. was that the same model as Forlom? I don't think it is, but it's very it close. So he got he goes uh, the whole the whole here's the heist heist music. Yeah, they're going to a ship. It's actually a ship owned by the good guys, the the people who uh, fucking took down the empire, and uh, they're gonna bring back some dude who worked at a car shop. We don't know what he looks like, but yeah, they're breaking into the good guy ship. It's a maximum security fuck prison, and uh, yeah, they're gonna get him out. <laughs> So yeah, they, they do that, and then the droid does some really stressful piloting that's like pretty cool, 
to do with like like Mando's complete shitbox yeah, spaceship. He basically just takes a fucking uh, tuner, like one of those old ninety five Hondas, and turns it into a tuner. It's like um, imagine he, he turns off flight assists. It's like Elite Dangerous, and he turns off flight assist and like any other ship in Star Wars. And actually, it pilots like a spaceship, kind of using Newtonian physics instead of like a World War Two biplane. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, they, they dock in the ship, and then they're all there. And there's this moment where uh, uh, the Kurgan, Mr. Krabs, shoots a little rat droid for the hell of it, and everyone's like, you idiot. And they get attacked by a bunch of K2SO4s that have like New Republic stuff on it. Yeah, it's... And they're like, oh, fuck, we can't beat these. Mm-hmm. And then... Mando just yeah. fucking teleports behind them. Yeah, it's like nothing personal, kid. And he beats them to death with his hands. And what? all of them you see in the acting this perfect moment where they're like we are in way over our heads because their secret mission has been to kill the Mandalorian this entire time and they're like oh fuck. Yeah, they, I was wondering when we were first watching why they kept holding back I thought it was some typical Disney show shit where they're just like wait, let's watch him work and then really there's the deeper the context which is just like they're gonna fucking kill this guy. They yeah. were hoping that the droids would just incapacitate him. But then that didn't work, and they were all horrified. Like, we're gonna have to throw down with this in, like, 20 minutes. Also, they go to the pilot thing, and they're fucking idiots, and they decide to kill the single human on this ship. Which is a cameo by Matt Lanter, voice of Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Huh. What? Yeah. So they kill Anakin from Star Wars The Clone Wars, who yep. has a distress beacon that calls in, you know... Three X-Wings. X-Wings. And everyone's like, don't kill him, don't kill him, let's handle this. But then fucking idiot Harley Quinn Twi'lek just decides to throw a knife at him. And he uh, triggers the distress beacon, you know, like he said he would as he dies. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And they're going through, they rescue this guy that was like one of, uh, part of Mando's old gang. And he's like a really... He's basically the Joker from Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the brother of a vampire lady. And he's like a real prick. And they throw Mando in his uh, cell. And they think this is going to work. And they think they've gotten away with this. And then Mando fucking tears the arm off of a robot. Yeah, and escapes with very little effort. And doesn't bother to hurry just walking back up to the control room. I think and then be- this turns into a horror movie. I think it's because they finally realize that Mando running in the armor looks kind of stupid. <laughs> yes. Also, he's been basically Jason Voorhees this entire thing. And none of them noticed. <laughs> until now. Where he starts closing blast doors on them and shit and <laughs> isolating them from each other. And all of them realize that they're in a slasher movie when they're, like, cut off between two doors. It and goes to monochrome red with strobing white. It's yes. so great how this entire episode they're posturing to show how badass they are. And Mando's just kind of hanging out and doing the job. And it doesn't occur to them ever that he's the most OP person on the entire team, just in spades. Just like fucking bar none, this guy is just ready to throw down all of them. This man ground ground out levels in the starting area until he could afford the best armor 20 hours before he's supposed to. I think that he just lives off of his droid racism. Like, the more droids you let him kill, the more <laughs> OP. Like, he gets an overcharge bar that lets him t- like do a whole horror movie sequence. It's fucking, uh, it's fucking Batman Arkham series, where there's a fear meter but it's just a droid's meter <laughs> that's, that's, yeah it's like 
yeah, yeah, it's like you can see the showrunner picking up a controller, and it has like all of a sudden the Batman Arkham series controls as, as Mando goes and takes these people out one by one. Yeah, where there's he, a protracted fight with uh, with Clancy Brown, Satan, with Satan, yeah. where he just fucking murders the dude with the door. Best. So this this episode one of the Mandalorian has a guy getting bisected with a door in like a bar. You know, he just cuts a dude in half with a door. So this has to try to top that. Uh, he puts Clancy Brown under this, like, vertical door, tries to crush him. And Clancy Brown's got it on his back. He's lifting it up like he's big pimping. And he kind of sticks his head in like, here's Johnny. And then Mando's just got a button. And he's like... <laughs> it, it closes blast doors on either side of the main it door. bisects him lengthwise. It, 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 it cuts his fucking head off with these horizontal doors. Or so you would think. So any reasonable person would think. Because the character model just disappears. Yeah. It, like, it just like bugs out. He is... And then from this point on, there is like zero protracted fight because he doesn't even need to state what happens to these people as he just goes... One by one, like a slasher movie villain, just ending them off screen. Harley Quinn, he, like, knifes her in the chest. Bill Burr, he gives, like, the Gus Fring death, where all you see is Bill Burr just screaming, No! And just, like, he just cuts. Meanwhile, yeah. the robot's been hunting a kid. This kid is playing fucking prop hunt on the smallest map, by the way, and winning. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the fucking, um... Crimbopulous Michael, uh, the, the, the robot who piloted the ship, is just like, hey, wait a second, I can go and kill the baby. And so he's, he's just playing hide-and-seek with this little fucking baby Yoda. And, um, you know, he, baby Yoda wins. Yeah, baby Yoda fucking wins, mostly because he stalled out the timer until Mando came back. Yeah, that's true. And we get one of the funnier moments of Baby Yoda potentially using Force. Except the Force actually is a laser blast. Yeah, another one of those, like, uh, Tom Hanks at the end of Saving Private Ryan with the tank moments, where, you know, he's firing his dinky little pistol at the tank, and then someone drops a bomb on the tank. And Tom Hanks just kind of looks at his gun, just like, did I do that? <laughs> yeah, no, but in this, t in this case, it's Baby Yoda conjuring lasers. And uh, there's not as much to talk about in this episode because, like we said, it's a trite play-by-numbers heist film until it's not. Until it's a horror movie. And this, they nailed the aesthetic down with every trope in the book, and it's perfectly fine to be tropey when you're, like, this level of TV show that we've been watching the whole time. Uh, just monochrome red flashing lights. Mando does the actual flash teleport to the strobe. Yeah. And then appears behind Bill Burr. I was like, when was the last time I saw that trope ex executed? And then I was like, oh, it was that horror movie Blumhouse put out, Lights Out, where the chick is just in the opening. It was a recreation of the short film. It's just like turning the lights on and off and the thing's getting closer to her every time she flicks the light stages. Yeah, that's a bad idea. But I, I'll also say that uh, it, a lot of this is kind of in reference to Chris Nolan. Some people have been kind of catching on that it's reutilizing some elements of Chris Nolan films. I think... In particular, uh, there was a scene where Batman was doing the exact same flash step to take down a guy. Ooh. So there's a couple shout-outs in there. Well, you know, uh, until the moment that the Mandalorian has to go up against someone wearing hockey pads, I'm not convinced. <laughs> that said, uh, I will say my personal thoughts on this episode is that this is where it kind of starts to feel a bit tired. The set design is notably cleaner and sparse and easy to build it kind of looks fake just looking at it it doesn't feel as much like star wars as some of the other sets have been as far as set design for the spaceship that they're in 
I I mean, this is it's it gives me vibes of the very first interior you see in episode four, mm-hmm. where the Imperial fucking army is running around and they've got those like per- matte paintings where the perspective's all wrong. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, I'll give you that, but I mean, those had, like, the dirty engineering sections that were kind of dark and red and grimy, and then it had kind of the clean white walls that had mirrored surfaces. There's very little of that in the set design for this episode, and it kind of feels like it was cheaply constructed. This episode feels like more of the budget was dumped into the alien costumes for two Twi'leks and a Deveronian, and less into making the location feel like it fits in with Star Wars, and it's about here that I'm starting to get a little tired of the episodic format, and I'm kind of wondering what the last two episodes hold for the show. See, oh, wait. I think, but I think there's a hidden layer to this that we haven't talked about, and that this episode is the largest expansion on the New Republic we've seen mm-hmm. in the new series, because this episode... All of the design here speaks absolute volumes to the state of the galaxy without outright saying it. Mm-hmm. Where you see they're in a very obviously repurposed Imperial prison ship. Mm-hmm. It's got all the designs you would see in uh, Imperial era starships with Imperial era droids that have been repainted with the New Republic symbol, which is just a yellow rebel symbol. Yeah. And then you see them with prisoners on this isolated ship doing the dirty work of actually running the galaxy instead of being like the good guys right and you see how uh, they don't have the resources or manpower to actually have humans on their prison ship and just kind of leave it automated to run that speaks volumes about how well this galaxy is being controlled yeah and then there's the twist at the end where uh the the douchebag joker guys like you can't kill me ha 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 you have to finish the job because you're a mandalorian and the mandalorian's like okay and they fly back to the space station uh in time for the uh, rebels or not rebels the new republic to not show up and uh fuck them up mm-hmm. and uh he gets his money he gives it to the the creepy guy from true detective and the true detective and joker guy kind of laugh like yeah kill him and yeah. then a uh, droid starfighter just kind of pops up that they've uh, put a skin on. As he's flying away. As the man has away. gotten away, you know. And uh, they uh, look on the ground and they're like, oh shit. Because they pick up the little distress beacon thing. And as he uh, flies away right after, it's like a mission from X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Where three New Republic <laughs> X-Wings pop in and they see the Starfighter being launched. <laughs> and they're like... Oh shit, we gotta blow this up. Just as and nonchalantly then, as possible, demonstrate the true power of actual Star Wars movie characters. Right? Yeah, also it's three director cameos. Deborah Chow, who directed episode three. Dave Filoni, director of episodes two and five. And Rick Fumiyiwa, this episode's director. And I believe episode two's director. And it shows the cost-efficient uh, nature of the of the New Republic as they just have people in X-Wings floating around uh, waiting to jump to beacons within 20 minutes, yeah. even in the middle of dead-ass nowhere. And they ask no questions. If they see something that looks slightly questionable, they go like U.S. cop on them and just <laughs> kill them instantly. Real scorched earth bullshit. Like, Real, like Unlike we've seen in this series. Right. Yeah. It's like the first time we've seen the New Republic in like any... Like, not book media. Yeah. And the entire sequel series is it's reaching its conclusion, which is really weird. And this is the deepest world building I think we've seen in the entirety of the, like, 
Disney era movies. Yeah, the New Republic has been treated like a joke in previous episodes of The Mandalorian because their focus is on the Inner Rim and no other planets. Mid-Rim, Outer Rim, all of it is basically just running on its own. They're not even issued government currency. It's whatever they fucking have. Jesus. Yeah. Like, Imperial credits are still being used because they won't issue new currency out that far. Fuck. Yeah, but they have random squads of three X-Wings just hanging out ready at a moment's notice to jump to hyperspace and blow something up after about 15 seconds of deliberation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. It looks like there's a gunship spooling up in that hangar. Okay, let's fucking kill everything let's here. Let's destroy this whole building. <laughs> so my, so my, uh, my interpret, my view on this episode is that the plot is kind of meh. It's like it's pretty cool, but the world building is absolutely incredibly handled. Oh yeah, it's 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 interesting. Also, I think it's the first time we've seen live action Twi'leks in action. Because, uh, as we all know, Ayla Sakura was mostly a CG character in episode 2 and 3, and did fucking nothing. Yeah. And then the other one, Bib Fortuna, basically stood around. There was no action scene participation from well, him. Because their, their, their head tentacles would just fall off. Yeah. What, yeah. Were, the, what were the other... Like they almost do whenever she runs in this episode. <laughs> What were yeah. the other alien species? Did you mention a Deveronian? Uh, Deveronian. That's what Clancy Brown's character is. It's I... basically just a reference to the fucking Faust character from uh, A New Hope that was just in the cantina. I thought you said Deveronian like like uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. No, like, there's just some Everybody Loves Raymond aliens where somebody's just like, Debra! <laughs> no, it's Debronian, <laughs> as in he's a brony. Clancy oh. Brown confirmed Fluttershy. <laughs> There's a moment in this episode that made me internally kind of laugh because it could be extrapolated into a joke. Mm -hmm. So Mandalorian is just theoretically, because they haven't shown you yet that he hasn't, theoretically horror movie killed these other people who he was set to do the mission with. And uh, Joker guy is just like, uh, so what the fuck, man? And Mandalorian just kind of looks at him and he's like, they got what they had coming to him. And the theme plays, that little didgeridoo shit. The, the theme. And I was just thinking, because, you know, he just cold-blooded murdered these people in the most terrifying way possible, as far as I knew. And I was like, what if he just, like, does more and more heinous shit throughout the series, but his, like, little spoken word justifications of it, they play that theme over it to make it seem badass. <laughs> there's just a point where he just, like, fucking, like, like just, I don't know, blows up a nursery and they're like what have you done and it's just like wee wee and it's he's just like <laughs> nobody puts baby in the corner <laughs> and just watch the fuck off the screen so are we just not considering the uh, very end where they're all in the prison cell as canon for our purposes you know, i think it's i think it's cool as like a final way of dunking on them not even killing them but throwing them in prison in a ship where they killed the human monitoring it to starve to death yeah uh, I, I think it's automated, and it's just going to arrive at prison, and they're just going to be like, "Oh shit!" But uh, also, <laughs> like, one deal. <laughs> the only one that I call bullshit on is Clancy Brown, because his character model disappeared when he closed the doors on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it, but I'm okay with a lot of shit, so I can totally understand how that's a deal breaker. Yeah, he had a headache, didn't you see? And yeah, he, like, he, he like, looked like oh. he had the biggest migraine. Yeah, and I also, thought I thought that that made it even more badass in a way, where like he didn't even need to kill them; he just left them in the cell that he got left in. Oh yeah, not only that, but also just uh, this is a small detail. Jumping all the way back when Mando breaks out and tears the arm off of the droid. Oil just spews all over the door. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's PG-13 gore. It's, it's Gendy Tartakovsky rules gore, and yeah. I love it. Oh, it's fucking great. 
What, how much Excedrin you think you need for uh, when your head gets fucking atomized between doors? Like two, oh, two yeah. doses. Uh, two pills is pretty normal. Maybe like four. Okay, yeah, that seems about right. You want something stronger? You just look on the back of the Excedrin for the decapitation <laughs> dose. <laughs> That's basically the normal dose for Excedrin. <laughs> and. I guess that concludes kind of our discussion. The last two episodes, uh, episode seven is coming out on a Wednesday instead of a Friday. So we're recording this Tuesday. It comes out tomorrow. And then episode eight comes out the 27th. And rumor has it going around the bend that there's a link between the rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian episode coming out. Around the bendigo, you mean? (laughs) Morty! <laughs> yeah, they're saying that in order to get context on some shit from episode 9, you have to watch this fucking Disney Plus TV show. Which bodes poorly. I don't think that's true. I feel like it's the same way that Battlefront 2 explains things in episode 8, The Last Jedi. It doesn't. It just gives a backstory to a fucking prop that's on Luke's desk for, like, a shot. There is a little weird compass thing. That he finds in Star Wars Battlefront 2 and supposedly leads him to Octo. And they were just like, oh, it leads directly into episode 8. No, it doesn't. It's just him finding a fucking compass in the plot of this game. That's it. <laughs> I think that that's what it's going to amount to. But I could be proven wrong and we could be seeing something that's really fucking important. What would be which hilarious. does not bode well. What would be fucking hilarious is if there's, it's like an Easter episode for some reason. Like they're <laughs> celebrating Easter. And he just puts this Easter egg somewhere that shows up in Wrath of the, the Rise of Skywalker. Oh, it's the Last Supper, but it's just the Mando with, the, oh with his God. helmet and the various uh, allies in the cast. There's a reveal in Rise of Skywalker that BB-8 is just Baby Yoda in like a hamster ball kind of thing. <laughs> this fucker's 80. He's finally starting to say words. There's there's this one guy making coffee, and it's just like Mandalorian gives him a joke recipe, like fucks up the numbers while he's not looking just as a prank. And then Palpatine, that dude is just like from the coffee stand in the Mandalorian episode, is just there, but he's fucking old. And Palpatine just is like, this is shit coffee, and lightnings him to death. <laughs> and everyone's like, ta- like all these BuzzFeed articles, everyone's talking about the this is shit coffee scene from Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> totally out of nowhere. <laughs>